Welcome all to our first ever Homie and the Dude actual play D&D podcast. I am Bodie Camboris, one half of the Homie and the Dude team, and I am your unexceptional dungeon master today. And I'm joined by our exceptional cast of players. Exceptional cast of players, say hi. Hello! Hello! Hi. Hello. <laughs> so glad to have you with us. Quickly before we get started, a couple of shout outs. Shout out to uh, Underground Oracle um, for uh, us using some of their content in this. Um, shout out to our editor, Becky, our artists, Jay, Josh, Alex, Victor. Shout out to social media, Ben. Uh, we can't do this without you, so thank you so much for being part of our team. We appreciate you all so, so much. Um, and now, guys, if everyone is sitting comfortably, Let's begin. Fast forward 80 or so years from the Shatter Day, and we cut to our cast of players, our cast of characters, all spread currently across the sky, traveling towards the same small island of Lacrima. Though they're all currently fast asleep on their different modes of transportation. And as they all lull deeper into REM sleep, their minds drift into dream pulled by a voice that is panicked and rushed. And as this voice begins getting louder and louder, your minds are pulled through darkness until suddenly all of your eyes open. You each experience this individually. However, you all experience the same thing. You outstretch some hands, though they are not your hands. You grip onto the chipped wooden helm of the stolen sky zephyr that you are driving for dear life as it suddenly shakes violently from a blast of a fireball that just missed the rear part of your hull. You open your mouth to talk and a voice that isn't your own comes out. Ah, oh, crap. They're getting closer. I can't let them have another one. At this moment, you look and reach to the right of the pilot's controls to a giant power gem resting on the dash. You place one of the hands on the gem and it begins to glow a miasma of different colors before finally settling a bright gray. Ah, there's going to be no escape for us. At this moment, you slam the accelerator into maximum speed. You tie it into place. You release the helm of the ship and you quickly grab and take the gem off of the dash. You step out of the captain's wheelhouse onto the deck of the ship as the wind rips through your clothes. You look back and you can see 20 or so sky zephyrs in tow closing fast as you all hurtle across the sky. The voice that you heard coming out of your mouth now echoes around your head. I wish I had more time. Come on, do it, do it. At this point, you will the body that you're in to spread into a wide stance 
you move the gem out in front of you and release it as it begins suspended in front of you. You begin casting. Kastam! Isil! Batam! Ugren! And as you clap your hands, the gem begins folding in on itself. And then it is gone. For just one second, one moment, everything stands still. As sparks and arcane energy grow around you exponentially, a cold tear rolls down your cheek as you manage one final word. Martino. Ah! As you twist your hands and release the buildup of arcane energy, boom, a cataclysmic blast ripples outwards across the sky. As the wave of energy hits your face, you feel that it is both hot and cold. Your skin begins to char and melt away as your brain is pushed out of this body and you are sucked back into your own bodies on your various modes of transportation. You all awake, all but one. As the wave, as you awake, suddenly the vessels that you are in begin to shake uh, violently for a second as a similar wave of arcane energy passes through the ship. And as it hits you, you feel that same hot and cold sensation that you just felt in your dream. And then suddenly, distant at first, you hear a voice again. Martina. And with that, we cut to our first player, Blanco Montaña, in the hull of the Trident of Brindle, hurtling towards Lacrima. Tracy, can you please introduce yourself, your character, and describe them to us? Hello, I'm Tracy Camboris. I am a chef, so it's unusual that I'm here today because I'm normally in the kitchen, but I'm glad to be playing D&D. I am playing Blanco Montaña, an awakened dog ranger. I am a great white Pyrenees with beautiful, beautiful white fur. I'm very proud of this fur. My eyes are black, friendly. I have a black, wet nose. I wear a light armor and this consists of a metal breastplate and metal gauntlets. Beneath my breastplate, I wear leather panels. I have a green tunic, black trousers, and brown boots. Around my neck, I wear amulets of amethyst. On my hip, I carry my cherished rapier. It is encrusted with jewels with a gold handle. Amazing, incredible. And let me just ask, with your new recently found direction and balance in life, what would Blanco do having just experienced this wave pass over you and just woken up in the bunk, uh, in a bunk in the Trident of Brindle? What, what would Blanco get up to? Um, Blanco would be waking up. He's felt this energy. And he's, as I wake, I, I wake from by the fireside. I sort of scratch behind my ear and and I stretch into my day. I breathe into my hand. <laughs> yep, dog breath. Um, I sniff into the air and uh, I search the house. I go and scout out. 
I look, check on Consul, I check on Rosada. And the kids, are they okay? Ursula, Gorik, yes, they're all safe. Uh, hang on, no, wait, wait, what am I doing? This isn't my morning routine. No, I, I actually wait to that feeling, I'm, I'm alone. I've been curled on my pack with my rapier beneath it. Um, I scratch behind my ear and and I stretch after that feeling. And um, I put my back on my my pack on my back and my rapier on my hip and I climb to the deck of the Trident of Brynmaw. I feel the breeze through my fur and it wraps my melancholy and. and takes it away and I stand on the deck and I, I pray for forgiveness and ask for strength, um, stealth and energy to complete my mission. I breathe into my hand. <laughs> huh? Go breath. Yep, I'm grounded. I'm ready for my day. As this happens, suddenly the trine of Brynlord shudders and the sound of gas breaks on the fans cuts through the air as you pull in slowly to a dock. You hear the uh, boarding master shout, All those getting off at Lacrima, please use the starboard port. Please get off one at a time. Be careful, watch your step. Come on now. Oh, yep, lovely traveling with you, dearie. Yep, you next. Oh, yep, pleasure traveling with you too. He sees Blanco walk up to him. Uh, you, sir, as well. You getting off as well here? Yep, yep. Thank you for the journey. Um, <laughs> I sniff to catch one last scent as I take a step off. <laughs> and I move towards the dock. At this moment, we cut now across the sky to a sky zephyr that is about well, definitely about one-tenth the size of the Trine of Brindle. Um, enough for about two people uh, kind of carrying room uh, within this Zephyr. And we cut to Evis. Could you, Amber, please introduce yourself, your character, and describe them to us? Hey everybody, I'm Amber, also known as the Space Jamber on the Twitter and the Twitch. Um, thank you so much, Bodhi, for having me. Um, I'm playing Evis Organzi. They are a um, they are a air genasi. Um, Evis is tall yet svelte, very well with very 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 well defined muscles. You know, clearly coming from years of practiced, studied martial arts or Tai Chi, insert wellness um, practice here. They, um, but also they are of calm mind, calm temperament, not quick to anger at all. Um, their hair is long and um, their hair is long and like ice blue, shaved very, very close down onto the sides, braided in like a mohawk style all the way down the back. And of course, uh, you know, wearing the teal regalia of the, um, t wearing the teal regalia of the, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, it's 9am here and my brain completely blanked. Kaze Ka? 
the Kazeka. Yes, thank you. T- wearing the teal regalia of the t- Kazeka as they go through. Um, I mean, as they are have left the monastery for the first time in their entire life. Incredible. As you were sorry, my long day. No, yeah, it's been a long journey. (laughs) I I can imagine. And, you know, as you awake in your in your Zephyr that is hurtling through the sky uh, and you, you know, set it to cruise control the night before. So, you know, you could keep traveling through the night. Um, As you awake, you feel the presence of old Alia as the breeze cuts through some of the gaps in your hull, and as the wind kind of hits you down there. What does Evis do um, as you uh, as, as, as you wake up and, and you're, you're, you're in the hull of, of your own little uh, little sky zephyr that you're drawing? Right, so as the air hits my face, it's comforting. It's something that I've looked forward to every day. It's, it's the th- it's the thing that gives me breath. It's the thing that moves along with me as I am moving through it. It's, it, the air just feels like home, you know? It's that little bit of, it's that whisper of a kiss on the skin. And, and, it, and it, that thought just kind of makes me <sighs> crunch up inside for just a moment, remembering the people who I'm actually looking for that's brought me onto this effort in the first place. But it's fine. It's fine. We've started the journey. We're going through. That's exactly what we're traveling for. But, you know, I look over the edge of the, the, the Zephyr, see exactly how far down it goes. But it's not terrifying, at least not to me. Maybe others, um, because at the end of the day, it's just air. <sighs> Incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Let me just say, so as you look down, uh, you see just off in the distance below you, you see your destination uh, ahead, and you feel a lump grow in your throat as thought bleeds into your mind. Will Is and Pabe be here? As you glide down towards the island, we cut now to another zephyr. This one, uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more hap put together than uh, than the one Evis was driving. This one's a little bit more uh, shap hazardly put together. It's a uh, it's a uh, bits and bobs kind of uh, keeping it together. Um, and we cut to Sergio. Tom, can you please introduce yourself, your character, and describe them to us? I am Tom Camboris. I am the older half of the Homie and the Dude team, and I am playing Sergio Shelby, a cleric. And I'm actually a tortle that if you picture a Boy Scout sort of uh, wardrobe, it's, it's kind of that in that Sergio is wearing a deer, uh, deer hunter hat. He has a vest, almost like a flak jacket vest. He has a scarf that's like a Boy Scout scarf that's yellow, that's twisted and has a little toggle on it that's pulled up uh, around his backpack, or around his, uh, his shell, he has a backpack and a bedroll. Uh, he all, he's actually wearing a toga and a belt and even another belt that has a little pouch on it. And if you look down, he's wearing sandals. And on one arm, he has two watches synchronized to the exact same time. 
And on the other hand, he is gripping a staff. He wears glasses as well. And uh, that's Sergio. Amazing. As you awake uh, and, you know, that wave passed through, you heard that voice. You then come back and hearing and you hear, you're... Uh, coming from above deck. With this new dream in your heart and the most daring act of your life so far, only just behind you, what does Sergio do this morning? So Sergio is uh, actually still sort of half asleep and hearing this, what sounds like music. And he's not sure what to make of that, but he is moving from dream to dream and the first dream that he hears and sees is something that happened a few weeks ago with him uh, in his room, and he overhears his mom and his dad, and his dad says, but the boy can't even take care of himself here in this house. What is he going to do out in the sky? You know what's out there, Bella. And his mom says, Stan, we have to back him. We have to support him. And then Sergio sort of drifts away from that, and continues seeing his mom, but this time he sees his mom at the bottom of the stairs the night he has packed up all of his gear and is setting out on his adventure. And he thinks he's going to have to battle his mom because she's going to stop him from proceeding out. But instead, at the bottom of the stairs, what he hears is, she says, Sergio, my son, I know you're going. And Gio, if you can just remember three things. One, no matter what you put your mind to, you'll achieve it. Two, always be just, be fair, and be a nice person. And three, when you come up against obstacles, keep going. And then she pulls out a hat from behind her and says, this was from your Uncle Ace. He always wore it with pride. I'd like to give it to you. And so I'm still sort of downstairs and I sweep to Uncle Ace. And Uncle Ace right now is running at full tilt up the water cord and he's dodging obstacles and he's maneuvering and spinning around different, uh, different creatures that are trying to grapple him. And Uncle Ace is amazing. He's my hero. And all of a sudden I sweep to, I'm running up the water cord and I'm dodging and running, and forearming, and twisting. And I'm actually amazing. I'm running up the water cord because I'm a water runner. And at that time, I really wake up, and I hear the music, which is actually whistling. Seems like it's coming from the top deck. And I look down, and there's the hat that my mom had given me. And next to it is a copper piece. And I grab the hat and I grab the copper piece and I put it next to the other copper piece in the hat and I put the hat on. And I say to myself, I'm coming, Uncle Ace, just hang on. And then I say upstairs, hey, 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 Safa, um, that whistling is, is amazing and I, I, I love it. It's a great way to start a day and, and an adventure and a new life. You see uh, 
a, a younger gentleman with a purple beanie. He has like a feather sticking out of his cap. Uh, he's wearing like a little leather like chest piece um, with a black like hoodie underneath. And you can see that he's wearing these like beige cargo pants basically on. And he's got a, he's got these big chunky boots uh, poking out the bottom. You can see in, as he's kind of turning this, this, uh, this helm that is squeaking as he turns as he kind of turns it. He's like, oh, oh, you're awake. Hey, nice. Glad to see you. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, just just passing the time. And hey, I think, isn't isn't that your destination up there? To, you, you said that's that's it, right? The the, the Lacrima Island, the, the, the one. You, you think that's the right place? I, 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 I'm not sure if it's if it's that one. I just do know it is Lacrima, and that's the one I, I need to be going towards. So I, as always, I'm just going to follow your advice. If you say it's Lacrima, I say it's Lacrima. Hey, I... You know this, chronicler of land and sky, know all of these islands. This is Lacrima, my boy. So, with that being said, it's been a pleasure to getting to know you these last couple of days, and I'm very glad that you actually came to join me on this journey. And, you know, though we've only got to know each other for a couple of days, Sergio, I feel like I'm going to tell stories about you one day, and I'm excited to do so. But it's been a pleasure, and as he says this, he pushes his brakes into gear. You hear uh, the fans kind of halt as he pulls up next to the dock of Lacrima as well. He, uh, he puts a hand on your uh, on your shell and says, "Go get him. Go get him." Thanks, Atma, and, and I hope to see you again. And I hope to to fulfill whatever image you have of me. I'm, I'm going to try my best. I believe that. And the moment you step off onto the dock, his ship pulls away almost instantly and, uh, and rips off into the distance. Um, we now cut over to a very different type of Sky Zephyr. Um, this one is uh, what looks like an old cargo ship that's been converted into like a, a cruise, basically. You can see there's some things built on it. And uh, as we kind of pan in, there's a couple of like tottering old halflings. Oh, it's a good morning. The wind is lovely on the moon. Oh, it's just wonderful. And, you know, all these old people are kind of pottering around. We cut into the shuffle, as it's called. And uh, in, the, uh, in the hull of the shuffle uh, are Toad and r, &R. Guys, uh, let's go with Sam first. Could you please introduce yourself? your character and describe them to us? Yeah, hello. My name is Sam Comerford, uh, known as at SamComerford24 on Twitter and at our role-playing on Twitter as well. Uh, hi, folks. Uh, I am playing R&R Grey Wolf. R&R is this... Um, he's a barbarian, but he's not your typical barbarian. He is... He's this very tall, strapping lad. He's this big half-orc. All sorts of tattoos on his body. You know, he wears like a vest and like these really intricate cargo pants with like so many pockets. Uh, <laughs> and he carries this massive maul. Uh, generally, just looks pretty intimidating. I like to think uh, with these kind of uh, eyes that have like these you know, black sclera and bright orange irises. Uh, he looks intimidating, but um, he uses this because Aranar. Uh, as opposed to being your typical uh, Conan the Barbarian-esque barbarian, he is a detective. He is, um, he was once a scholar. Uh, so he uses this uh, sort of outward appearance to both intimidate people and 
really just kind of get them not to talk to him because he's kind of an inward guy. He just kind of likes to be with himself and his buddy Toad. So that's kind of where he's at right now. Amazing. Blake, can you please introduce yourself, your character, and describe them to us, please? Hello, everybody. I am Blake, and I am playing as Toad, the Awakened Toad. Um, so for a description, he dark green toad with wings, um, dragon-like, couple scales, dark green with a dark blue kind of top as well. Few pieces of armor, but mostly just just toad. Um, one thing to note is that he has a harmonica wrapped around his neck and like a sort of necklace slash harmonica holder so he can kind of just play without having to use hands because he doesn't have hands, so makes it easy. But yeah, so Toad is a, he's a, um, what, what do you, I guess you would call maybe a classically trained jazz musician, but he's at heart just an artist who um, loves performing and, and making music. So yes, and um, though he may come from some a different kind of background. He is just looking forward to, you know, just incorporating his um his skills in other ways, maybe, and just um helping his buddy out, R and R out too, with them uh, maybe solving some mysteries. So Amazing. Yeah, that is that is Toad. Amazing. And with your next job awaiting both of you at this destination you are traveling to, what are you guys doing after feeling this wave of energy pass through you, this weird dream that you both separately experienced? What, what are you guys doing? Uh, I think R&R is, as per usual, going to silently get up and start doing stretches and whatnot. He likes to stay very <laughs> limber and loose uh, for any moment that arises where he needs to kick some ass. Um, and, I mean, he... Arno's not a very talkative guy, but uh, he's very clearly pensive at the moment. He's clearly thinking about something, which I think Toad can instantly just clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, no insight check needed there. You guys know each other well enough at this point. Mm -hmm. Toad, what about you? So, so Toad is just like, ooh, that was a nightmare. I thought it was a, a human or... So what kind of hands were they? So we had that vision, right? Were they like human hands, like humanoid? I assume they weren't toad, like, you know. That is a phenomenal question. Uh, Blake, can you please make the first history check of our campaign? Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah, I can. <laughs> what I got? Okay, okay. Okay, that ain't bad, that ain't bad. That is a 15 for a history check. Yeah, uh, with a 15... Lots of hands look similar, especially with humanoids. As a toad, it's, it's often hard to distinguish them. But what I will tell you is that these hands were pristine. They were clean. The nails were immaculate. The fingers were long. And um, other than that, the other thing that you saw from like the POV um, with a 15 is you would have seen the sleeves as well. Long blue sleeves that kind of uh, are almost like a kimono-esque like sleeves, almost like a a gown of some sort. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what you would have remembered from those hands. I quickly look at my own like, oh, that was, oh, what a nightmare. Ooh, being a, mm, no, no, still toad. Okay. Um, mm. I, kinda, <laughs> I noticed R&R &R, like, hey, is everything? Um, yeah. I also had a nightmare. Were you was... a... I was a sort of humanoid on a ship. There was this gem, and we were being pursued by 20 other large 
Zephyrcraft. I'm not quite sure what the meaning is, but it felt quite visceral. Yeah, it felt quite terrible, to be honest. I mean, I don't know how you humanoid beings do it, but... Did you have the same dream? I mean, I think so. I mean, there was a big kind of thing, and yeah, it was weird. Like, he was on the run from something, and then he did some sort of spell, and yeah, it was... Is that, is that what happened in, in your dream? Is that the same kind of... Yes. Yes. I... I'm not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. But... A mystery for another day, perhaps. Yes, yes, another day. But right now it's time for a little bit of um, uh, warm-up. So I'm going to do some scales on my harmonica, you know, get the get the lungs going a little bit, get the music going. Um, so Toe's going to do that, going to do a little couple scales while on our stretches, you know, kind of going in rhythm with his stretches, kind of like, you know, trying to help his flow out a little bit too. So <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. And as this uh, is going, go on, R&R, sorry, go for it. Real quick, can I actually this the yeah, you could totally shoot this down. Can I make a retroactive uh investigation check like mid dream? Is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Please go for it. Uh, that's funny. Because yeah. you are in dream, disadvantage for me just because you were in a dream. Totally fair. Okay. So okay, that is a twelve and a sixteen. So that would be a twelve. A twelve. With a what, what are you trying to investigate? What, what are you looking for? And what, 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 what do you think you were looking for in that moment? I think, uh, R&R, with the knowledge that this is a stolen ship, I think he's trying to look for any insignias, any sort of demarcations of whose ship this was. Is this like an imperial ship that was stolen? Uh, so on and so forth. Awesome. Amazing. Um, you can tell for absolute fact, you, you know this because uh, you have... Uh, been here and you've seen these types of zephyrs before you know that this is a imperial zephyr but one that is used from the arcane institute you know that it was one that would have come from there oh as rnr you definitely 100 would know that based on your uh, your academic background um but yes 100 so that's definitely something you know and as I imagine these beautiful, this beautiful warm-up session that's going down in, in, in the oh, hall and shuffle. Yep, and, and I would definitely, after that, Toad's going to go play music for the people because he's been kind of, you know, talking to the older folk and kind of getting, like, you know, whatever music you're into, whether it's polka, like, kind of getting the vibe. So he's definitely going to play, play some music for them. They love him. And I was gonna say, <laughs> you, you know as well that almost instantly you've got the old dwarves up like, oh, this is my giddy. Oh, I love this one. Oh, yay. I love it. This is, for, this, this is for you, Gertrude. This is this one's out for you. Oh, that voice every time. Stop it, Toad. Stop it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and suddenly the, the, the shuffles begin shaking. And as, as it begins shaking violently from its rickety uh, base, you suddenly feel as the gas brakes give out on it as well as you slowly pull in to a slow stop. Um, and as you do, a loud voice comes over a tannoy, and it goes, for all those who are traveling with us to Lacrima, um, we have returned. Uh, now is your time. 
I'm just kidding. Don't worry about it, old people. I was just kidding. That's just a little joke. I was just. It's your time, though, to get off of the ship. So if you could please uh, <laughs> depart the ship of the starboard bow, that would be absolutely perfect. Um, and uh, anyone else who, uh, who uh, yeah, uh, we, we're going to be here for about 10 minutes, people. So uh, you best hurry up, old people. You best get a shuffle on. Yeah. And uh, with that, we then cut two. Another island. We cut actually to an island, not a Zephyr this time. And I will just show you guys um, on the map so you guys can see. Um, we cut to this island. We cut to Sam, a place you would recognize as the Arcane Institute. And as we do, the wave of energy that you all felt pass through you cuts through the walls of the Arcane Institute and into the basement vault, where the wave hits a dormant body. Suddenly, a spark ignites in the room with a little light. Suddenly, a small dragon fire elemental begins as it awakes. And you hear as this fire elemental begins circling this dormant body round and round until it plunges deep into the heart. You hear steam whirring as cogs begin turning. Ryan, can you please introduce yourself, describe your character, and uh, introduce your character to us? Cool. Uh, I'm Ryan Tolbert. Uh, I'm playing a druid warforge. Um, he's called Rom. Uh, Romulus, but you can call me Rom for sure. Uh, yeah, so starting from the top, you've got wooden antlers, charred and blackened. Uh, protruding from his head. No eyes, just uh, a triangular line of lights that change with uh, corresponding to his mood. Heavy stone shoulders, one shoulder uh, with a tree, like a bonsai tree coming out of it. Um, not planned, it just came out of the, the stone and I can't help it. Uh, one arm is uh, branches wrapped around, or thick, wooden, uh, with a little bit of uh, stone plating. Uh, the rest the other arm is abnormally large. It's big and stony with a glowing orb in the center connecting the upper arm and forearm. Um, and it's like my whole body. I'm about seven foot. Um, I'm wearing a green uh, cape with a green toga to match um, and a red lining, but it's all covered in cobwebs and dirty and charred and blackened. Um, protruding from the toga, I have these like Paralympic like sprinting uh, blades the uh, legs um, that are like connected instead of uh, joints, uh, the hinges. So I like fold down and I'm crunched up right now. Um, yeah, until I'm here to And as you whir into life and your core light flickers awake, you feel reshi, your wildfire, wildfire spirit just kind of nuzzling its nose um, into you a little bit. Um, and since being decommissioned, it's been a very, very long time since you've been awake. The first thing you hear as you do awake is a voice. The same voice that you heard in the dream. And it says, It's time to run. Um, with this, I feel a jolt, like a burning sensation, but it's good, I guess. Um, I like fire, just it's part of me. It's, yeah, it's an extension of me, and I love it. And, that is what Reshi is to me. Um, yeah, I touch my cheek to check to see if a tear was, or my face 
um, vividly in the dream. Can I remember who the voice was? Uh, you please make a uh, make a history check with disadvantage. <laughs> um, also, just so you know, the vault that you're in, the walls are lined with racks of scrolls, uh, and ornate chests are stacked up high in corners. There are some thick glass cases um, with items on stands in them. However, at the far end of the room is a large circular door with massive tumbler system and six pins um, at about 60 degrees apart around the door, basically all locked in place at the moment. Um, I extend my... Reshi, you okay? Um, how have you been? How long have we been here? I let out a huge billow of steam from every kind of joint part of me. Yeah. Reshi turns around and is like... Uh, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. Um, I tremendous guilt like floods me. I promised Reshi. I promised you I would find your voice and I've been squandering this time. I'm so sorry. I, I feel terrible. You feel at this moment Reshi begins to like almost nuzzle up against you and like wrap itself around your neck and kind of nuzzle it. As this is happening, suddenly the door at the far end, kunk, 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 as each of the pins begin sliding inwards and moving, suddenly a loud click and it all stops. The round door slides open ever so slightly. A young guard puts his head in and says, uh, hello, um, I just got on shift and I heard some noise coming in from si inside. Is, a, is there someone in here? I didn't know if I'd locked you in. Um, hello? 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 Yeah, oh, so, sorry. And he kind of opens the door a little bit more and he goes, Wait, you're not meant to be in here. Wait, what? Am I not? He lunges at you to go and grab I reach out instinctively to grab him and use your force ability. Yeah, my, well, no, my feet, I want to grab him and pull him towards me. Amazing. Right. Yeah. As, right. as you do, you grab him by the scruff of his shirt. He's a lot smaller than you, and you pull him into you. You're like, ah, ah, you're not meant to be in here. What are you? Um, my, I'm scared at this point. My green glowing, uh, yeah, eyes turn red. Um, and I'm just a frantic. I, a rejection is my biggest fear. Uh, and this is kind of what's happening. Uh, I just toss him to the side. Ah! He lands in a, in a huddle onto the ground um, and takes four points of bludgeoning damage um, as he as he falls onto a heap on the ground. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm so sorry. Uh, and I just run out the door and lock it behind him. Amazing. As you book it out the door, you seal the door shut and you hear the tumblers begin again from the other side of the door. As you turn around, um, there is a staircase, uh, and the staircase peels off to the left and right. What would you like to do? Do I remember the route at all from coming down here? Do I, am I familiar with any of the settings? No. It's all brand new, right? All brand new. Cool. Um, left, yeah. Amazing. Right. You sprint up the stairs, coom, 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 as your metal legs uh, bound up the stairs. You make a sharp turn, and as you do, the metal grinds into the stone, and some sparks of, uh, of like chipped stone go flying off in the other direction as you sprint up the left stairs. As you go up the left stairs, you come to a long, long hallway. The hallway 
uh, basically continues on for quite a while. However, you can see that there's a doorway just to your right that leads out onto like a grass, like lawn area. What would you like to do? I'd like to stick my head out that doorway just to sort of check to see the coast is clear. There is no one on the grass area at the moment, as far as you can see. I need to find transportation and uh, get out of here, but I'm not too sure where to go. Um, yeah, I just head for the edge of the island. Amazing. So you sprint across the grass and you uh, you manage to dip in and through uh, a couple of uh, like alleys and archways basically and suddenly you come to uh, basically like a docking area where there's a couple of different small zephyrs kind of parked um, and a few little bits and bobs of like uh, crates and things are stacked up and you can see one or two people are kind of moving about but none of them really take much notice of Cool. I, I slow down and like pretend like put my hood up and pretend like I'm meant to be there slowly walking through, um, trying to see if I can uh, overhear any talk of getting like a Zephyr leaving, or if there's like a free kind of like thing that I can yoink. You can definitely see there is uh, two Zephyrs that are currently unmanned, just parked, um, and you can see uh, the people who are moving the crates are loading the third one, basically. Cool. Um, just look straight past them onto the, uh, the Zephyr and Scoot away, yeah. That's one that's of the two that's unmanned or one of the one that... Oh, the, the one unmanned one. Yeah, yeah sure. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. So as you get onto the Zephyr... Like, and, nod uh, at the... Just, oh, yeah. Took my cap to... Amazing. To Can you make a history check to see if you remember how to fly a Zephyr? Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> five. A five. Amazing. As, as you do power up the Zephyr, it's a bit alien to you. You don't really remember how to do all the bits and brushes. Give me advantage. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. I'll, 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 more than happy. Maybe a, a nudge, mm. uh, a gesture. Yeah, like like I go to like oh, I'll reach one thing and uh, it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> and as as you take off, the ship judders <laughs> and like almost like a you know when a car like backfires, you can hear like <laughs> out of the exhaust, and you're kind of like trying to like get the lever to work, and you're spinning it, and it's like the people on the dock are looking like what is going on right now but finally you manage to gain control and uh, take off as you take off you suddenly feel a wave of calm overcoming you as you breathe in and you well breathe in breathe in right <laughs> exhale exhale steam exactly face yeah as you exhale steam suddenly you're hit with a sense one thing that is common to you one thing that you do understand and remember and that's this sense of Chinasi presence. You can feel that pull. You can feel that draw. You seem to believe that this is your heading because it's the only thing around you at the moment that's familiar. What would you like to do in the last moments as you travel towards this, uh, this feeling? Um, I get on my knees, sure. I need to be low. I can't. Uh, and... I'm overwhelmed with this uh, emotion. I haven't dreamed in 220 years, and now I'm feeling feelings of of things drawing towards me that I've never felt, and and experiencing subconscious or what I think is subconscious actual emotions for once. It's almost harrowing and elating at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I almost out of habit, and I resent myself to do this, but I pray to. Alia? Alia. Alia. Um, yeah. Amazing. Um, just to check in, see if she's uh, still who she is. 
you, uh, you don't receive a response from your prayer. But you do as you cross the sky, again, feel that calm kind of hit you. And, you know, as you draw closer to this sensation, um, it grows more and more. At this point, guys, you've all done your intros. Uh, and what I'll say is I'd like everyone to take inspiration after those incredible freaking intros. Well done, guys. Those are amazing. So everyone can start the game with inspiration. Well done. Um, Thank you all so much for watching this first episode of Homie and the Dude's first actual play D&D podcast, The Sky Realm. We hope you enjoyed this first episode introducing all of our players and their amazing characters. Next episode, join us for when our characters get to meet each other and embark on their first adventure from the cream of the crop brewery and in tavern on Lacrima. We'll see you then.